Some, their hearts are going to be failing them from fear of the things coming on the earth. In that same text, it says, lift up your eyes. Look up. So there will be those anticipating what's coming on the earth. There will be another group anticipating who's coming. And their hope will be in the one who is. The one who is coming. That's where their anticipation is. Their hearts are not going to fail them from fear. Because they're looking up and they have great expectancy, great anticipation. Okay, verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's mandates or the government or whoever it is. They were not afraid of the king's commands. They saw something in their child, Moses. I believe they saw into the future. They saw something of the destiny that was on Moses' life. And uh, they were not afraid as to what the government was mandating that they should do. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, I look at Adeline and I see, to me, she's the most beautiful granddaughter in history. But you look at your grandchildren in the same way, right? The only issue is I'm right. She is really. I mean, I'm not joking. No, no. You know, I am. You know, you think you should think that way. They weren't looking at Moses just because they were his and he was a beautiful child. No, they saw the hand of God on his life. Does this make sense? There was something. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. It was maybe. But they knew there was something special. Something different. By faith, Moses when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. How many of you know sin is pleasurable for the moment? There is a pleasure, but it's passing. It's temporary. The wages of sin is still death. And so there's a passing pleasure. Moses had the opportunity to enjoy the riches of Egypt. He could have had it all, but he gave it up. He made a choice. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He made a choice to suffer affliction. What kind of person would make a choice to suffer affliction? Well, one that knows the end of the story. They know there's something more. That if you can endure, that if you can stay the course, and if you choose God over what the enemy offers, there are great rewards. That's what it says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to what? To the reward. He looked to the reward. And by faith, he forsook Egypt. Not fearing, he gained like father, like son. Moses, just like his parents, he did not fear the wrath of the king because he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We're going to have to make the same choice in this hour. Are we going to fear the mandates of the kings of the earth, the governments? Are we going to follow the mandate of heaven? I mean, if you know, you're going to have to make that choice. 
You may have to choose to suffer with the people of God. You will not be the first. And if the Lord tarries, you will not be the last. Look in verse 28. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he should be destroyed, or lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And so he chose, you know, they all would have died. Moses would have died. Parents, the family, I mean, it all would have, they would have ended up the same fate, but they put their trust in the commands of God and they trusted in the blood, the sprinkling of the blood, the Passover. And so the death angel that destroyed everyone else passed over them because they were under God's mandate. They were obeying the Lord. Verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by the dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so, they did the same thing, they were drowned. So you had one group of people walking through the water that were saved. Another group walked through the water and they were destroyed. Now verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. After they were encircled for seven days, they had to act in obedience to what God showed them. They had to move in the divine strategy. And once they did their part, they saw God move in great power. By faith, the harlot, or Rahab, did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth and also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. That's probably one of the battles we'll be in because it looks like to me there's a lot of aliens in America. They might as well be aliens because they don't seem like the normal people I used to know. They're following other gods. And they've, they've given over to the gods of this world. They might as well be, but, but they defeated the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Now we read this. But then I wanted to look at what the rest of the story said. Because not everybody is listed from verse 30 to verse 35. There are others listed from verse 35 to verse 40. How many of you know that? There's some that did not see what they believed they would see, yet God saw them. So let's look in verse 35. Others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. That means they maybe at somehow must have had a choice. Like Moses, he could have accepted the pleasures of Egypt and rejected suffering with the people of God. He could have said, I don't want anything to do with your suffering. But he would have been also saying, I don't want anything to do with your God. How many of you know? That would have been his testimony as well. But he chose his God, he chose truth. They were others not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Say a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. What a horrible way to die. You know, to be sawn in two. 
You know, this is not just a fairy tale. This is real. This is real. This is real. These people were literally sawn in two, were tempted, with, were, tempted were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, having what? Obtained a good testimony through faith. Say, good testimony through faith. Did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Therefore, therefore, we also... We also, now you already know, we repeat this all the time. When you see the word therefore, what must you do? You see what it's there for. So he's given you all of these great heroes of the faith. Some who saw promises fulfilled. Some who didn't see promises fulfilled. And now he says, therefore, pay attention. Because you're in the story too. How do you know that? Therefore, we, say we. We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God." Now, I want to just mention quickly just some things that we see about these. All of them were champions of faith. They were all victorious in their own right. They all saw different, a different ending, but they all were part of that great cloud of witnesses. And they're rooting us on in this hour. Because you and I need to remember their testimonies, all of them. So anyway, both groups demonstrated a faith that would be remembered and honored throughout history. How do I know that? Because I just read about it. We remember. Remember the woman who poured the very costly oil on the head or the feet or on Jesus. And uh, they, they were the religious crowd. They rebuked them. Man, you should save that and, and give the money to the poor. They weren't even thinking about giving money to the poor. That was not in their heart. You know, they, they didn't understand. They, they just didn't. But what was she doing? She was anointing him for what? For burial. Which in some minds would have been almost like defeat. Jesus, the Son of God, the King that we've been waiting for, is going to be killed, murdered, die on a cross. Are you kidding me? What kind of victory is that? But she saw something they couldn't see. She was anointing him. And that's the mystery of it. She was anointing him for burial, preparing him for his death. And then Jesus said, Surely I say to you, whatever, whenever the gospel is preached the whole, in the whole world, what this woman has done will be a memorial to her. And I tell you, there are people right now, and you probably know some of them, they are... They are doing things. You can't understand why they're doing them. You don't agree. You, you cannot figure out why are you doing this. 
But what they're doing is out of obedience to the Lord. And it may be something that will be remembered throughout all the ages to come. They may be remembered. You might be shocked as to who those that are going to be recognized one day as those who really were obeying the Lord, even though everybody else thought they were missing it. Does that make sense? Because the first will be last, and the last are going to be first. Some of those we've already found in America who we thought were some of the greatest, they were not as great as we were led to believe. Well, it's the same way. Those who we think are some of the least are going to be the greatest in that hour. They did things in the background when no one was looking. No one understood. But God understood. And they were doing it as an offering unto Him. As, as, a, as a memorial to the Lord. And then the second thing. The evidence of their faith was not found in an expected or chosen result. But in the consistency of their journey. You got to get this. They were not looking for, well, some of them were. They just didn't see what they were looking for. But that was not their hope. It was not in whether they, whether they received the promise. It said in chapter 12, it says they were running. Or verse, yeah, chapter 12, verse 1, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Running the race is the victory. Running the, anyone can drop out. Anyone can quit. Anyone can throw in the towel. And whether you see the ultimate goal or not, if you stay in the race, you're going to have a testimony of faith. You endure all things. The Lord said, endure to the end. Endure hardship. Endure afflictions. Endure suffering. Endure all things for the sake of the elect. And then the next thing, their faith did not rest on their receiving a promise but in a person they knew would never fail them. You know it says looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Now I want all the promises to be fulfilled that I believe that I see in the Scripture. But what if I don't see them all fulfilled? Does that mean that God has failed me? He's the same regardless of what I see. I believe in those promises, but my hope is not in a promise. Just like my hope is not in someone's prophecy. Where there are prophecies, they will fail. And we looked at that. The context is don't put your trust in what could fail. Put your trust in what will never fail. The love of God. God's love will never fail regardless of what I see. Whether something comes to pass or not, it may not come to pass until after I'm gone. It may be for the next generation, but my trust is in God. My faith is in the person of Jesus. It's not in any man's personality. That's one of the things that's being shaken today. All the big personalities are being shaken. Thank God it's about time. We don't want to see you. We want to see Him. There's a crowd rising up that's looking. They're saying, Sir... Ma'am, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. I don't, listen, you may be famous, but in my book, I want to see Jesus. He's the famous one to me. It's not in a program, not in, you know, a pattern, all these things. And then their faith was in a God who always leads them to something better. That's what we just read. 
And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better. Now the Bible says the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. So if, if that's true, how I many of you believe it's true? Then that means it's not getting worse, it's getting better. There's something more. Isn't he the one that saves the best wine for last? They thought they had the best. They ran out of what they needed. Jesus said, you do all, you know, they, they said, do all that he tells you to do. And they had the best wine they'd ever had in their lives. I remember at one point when Shirley, we first got married, you know, I never thought we would own a home. I thought it was impossible. This is no way. I'm not, how am I going to, on what I make, what are you going to own? I mean, you know, it's just not going to happen, but we owned a home. And I was thankful every single day. I'm just being honest with Shirley. You could tell her, ask her. I'd walk down the road in prayer, and I'd thank God every day. I'd walk in front of that house. I'd say, God, I cannot believe it. Thank you. I actually own a home. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I felt like he said, you know, every home is going to get better and better. So I looked for that. And it did. The next home was better. And then the next home was better. And then we got to where we are now, and we downsized, and I wondered, I've wondered, God, what happened to that promise? I thought, because I thought, if things keep improving, one day we're going to live in the Taj Mahal. I mean, we're going to live, this is major, you know, it's getting better and better. Well, and then I thought, wait a minute. It is better. It, is, it may not be as big, may not have as many rooms. We don't need as much room. But I'm telling you, it is better. It's better. It's better. God always brings you to something better. Don't you give up on a God that's promised that to you. You think, God, this is not as good as what I had. No, God is, God is the one that does abundantly, exceedingly, above and beyond what you could ever ask or think. He's the God that gives better. You know, it's thinking about, you know, you guys still with me, right? I need to get through this but Jeremiah 29 11 most people have they don't have the foggiest idea the context of that promise remember the promise 29 11 I know the plans I have for you plans of good not evil to give you a future and a hope now what is the context of that you guys should know because we've talked about it where are they getting ready to go Babylon captivity they're losing their freedoms. And so they're getting ready to go. And God speaks through Jeremiah and says, I know the plans. I can just imagine what they're saying. They're saying, God, but have you heard what they're saying? No, I know the plans. Yeah, but God, have you seen the latest video? Do you know what they're doing? I know the plans. But God, have you, do you not, have you not read history? Do you know what happens when you lose freedom? But I, am, I have plans of good and not for evil. You know what I'm talking about? To give you a future. What did he tell them? He said, when you go into that land, you build. You increase. You don't diminish. You build. You plant. Because I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Our hope is not in what they've got planned for us. Our hope is in what God has planned for us. We've got to understand that. He's a God that always does that which is better. And then their faith was not in just the here and now, 
but in that which was to come. Just remind us, we won't, you can go there later, but it's over in chapter 13 about how in this life they had no continuing city. So they weren't even looking for the next greatest. They were looking to that which the builder and maker was God. That's how Abraham, he went out not knowing where he was going. He obeyed, he dwelt, remained in place, waited for God, and God didn't disappoint. And he became the father of multitudes, of nations. I'm telling you the stars. And next thing, their faith empowered their sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And you can read over in Acts chapter 13 how they offered the sacrifice of praise. And sometimes... That's exactly what we offer. I mean, I mean, I'm so thankful for the Moravian lampstand, but I'm telling you, there are probably sometimes they come in and they don't feel emotionally, you know what I mean, like 100%. Now, maybe they are. Maybe these are giants of the faith. But I often come in on Monday morning and I don't feel 100%, you know, mighty man of God ready to slay giants pull down tall buildings, jump over, you know, run faster. Sometimes I'm just, you can ask Joe. Sometimes we're just, you know, you got to just get started. And a good way to get started is just start thanking God. Thank you, thank you. Enter your gates with thanksgiving, your courts with praise. God, you know what just happened. I just stumbled and fell and got a bruise. But thank you, God, thank you. I can enter into this place. I'm trusting you. you and then all of a sudden things begin to change. The atmosphere changes. Sacrifice. Sometimes it's a sacrifice. Say, I don't feel like worshiping. Well, who cares? Who cares? You ask Joe. There's sometimes there are battles in worshiping. What are you going to do? Quit and sit down? No, he can't do that because he's up here. He, there's expectation. So that's even more pressure. No, sometimes you should just sit down. You say, you should listen, but your expectation isn't in me anyway. Your expectation is in him. But anyway, their faith next was unshakable, regardless of what they saw or what they felt. You can read this later. This is in Hebrews 12, 25 to 28. There was the promise of shaking. Then there's the person behind the shaking. Who is that? Jesus. Yet, well, God, depends on if you read the Old Testament, you know, but it's him. Him. He's the one doing the shaking, not the devil. The devil's not going to get credit for what God is doing. And the purpose is so that all that is man-made would come down and that which is God-made would rise up. And then there's great promise even in the shaking, and that is that God's kingdom. And then their faith was multi-generational in chapter 11, verse 40. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. He's talking about all of these champions of the faith. And then he says, now we pay attention, therefore we also. And so in other words, you and I have a part in the unfolding purposes of God. We cannot drop the ball. We cannot let go of the baton that you and I have been given. We must run this race with endurance. Listen, we got to be ready to pass it off. And we may pass it off. The next generation may see the ultimate promises. We'll leave that all up to God. But everyone has a part in the great majesty, the great quilt work 
However, he's knitting it all together. There's something all through the ages that God is planning. Man could not do this. Man's not smart enough. God's doing it. And he's raising up men and women of faith that obey him, that play their part, and then they pass the baton on. And there's a great purpose of God being done that we're going to recognize. It's called the kingdom of God that can never be shaken. And that is coming on the earth in full measure. Whatever they try to shoot us up with, I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is that which is everlasting and coming on the earth. He's coming. Does that make sense? I'm trying to get a little bit excited here. Yeah, I was yesterday was amazing. You, you, you know, you guys that have taught or preached, you know what I'm talking about. It was one of those rare moments. I want them always to be that way. Well, God is always that way. I'm the one that has to deal with the soulish part. You know, your mind, your will, and emotions. God is always the same. If we could get rid of our soulish feelings and just believe God, we could live in that place all the time. Because God's the same. God's not checking out on you just because you had a bad day. Say, well... He's nowhere to be found. No, he's right in the midst of your bad day. He's just waiting for you to turn to him. Forget the bad day and put your trust in him. He can change everything in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. Not only in the twinkling of an eye of the ultimate being with him. But he can come in the scene right in the midst of where you are. And then their faith was rewarded with an internal inheritance. And all these things. Now look with me. Here's how we'll close. 1 John chapter 4. And this is what I want to pray. And I'm not going to do what our friend Robert Slairdon, he's been here many times, and he's a friend. And when he preaches, he says he gets to a point after you've been there an hour and a half or so, and he says, now I'm coming to my first closing. You know what that means? It means you might as well buckle up because you're going to be there for another 30 minutes. And then he gets to his second closing, then he gets to his third closing. I was joking with him about it. I thank God for Robert Slayerton. Have you read his book, God's Generals? Can I give you a little... Now, he's not here, so I can brag. But I'm telling you, he is one of the special gifts that God has given to the American church. Really, the church worldwide. He's one of those gifts given. And uh, he's paid a great price to walk in the anointing. He studied all the generals and, you know, the Catherine Kuhlmans and, and you name them. And what is it, Edder and Amy Simple McPherson and the Jonathan. He's, he's done the homework. But that man is a gift to us. And I thank God. He's going to be back here at the end of July. He's going to be doing a conference and he's going to be speaking for us. But. And so, But I thank God there's so many gifts to the body of Christ. And you're a gift to the, the realm of people that God's put you around. You just don't know it. And it's okay that you don't know it. It's really okay. Because God gets all the glory. But look in this, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so we are in this world. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear involves what? Torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So we don't have to live in torment. We can live in boldness, confidence in our God that God really is ruling and reigning. But now chapter 5, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. There's a line of demarcation right there. How do you know if somebody belongs to him? If they love God, and it's obvious about their life. And they obey His commands. They keep His commands. Not that anyone's perfect. If anyone sins, we have an advocate. But their, their passion is to obey Him in all things. It's something written. The law is written within our heart. And then he says in verse 4, For whatever is born of God does what? Overcomes the world. How many are born of God? Now, this is not something in the future. This is something right now. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. All that's in the world. All that's coming from the world. You know, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We don't have to be convinced of that. The world system. But whoever is born of God overcomes. They're victorious. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And it's not always a faith that sees all we would like to see when we want to see it. It's a faith that sees Him. Always. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Do you see it? And we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You, God, for all the examples in the Bible, the great champions of the faith, the heroes. Lord, I thank You for those who saw promises fulfilled, but I also thank You for those who never saw what they had hoped to see, but they believed anyway. And you said they will be remembered. There will be a great reward. Thank you for the woman who anointed you for burial. And though others did not understand, you said wherever the gospel is preached in all the world, it would be as a memorial to her. And I thank you, God. There are people in this room. There are people watching. They are simple acts of obedience. There's no crowd around There's no one. In fact, if there is a crowd, they're probably criticizing, probably suggesting that they've not heard from you, but they have. And I thank you that they're going to have a great testimony in the days and the years and that season and the age to come. That they obeyed God. They obeyed heaven. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you. And God, I just ask you to fill everyone in this place, everyone watching, with a fresh confidence 
boldness in the days in which we're living. Because we are confident without any doubt that greater is He that's in us than He that's in this world. And that He is the author and finisher of our faith. And we thank You for the Son of Man and the Son of God and the victory that is ours. And Lord, we thank You. This is one promise we will see fulfilled because we are overcomers in this life regardless of what we see. We win because You win. Hallelujah. And I pray, God, just release that afresh. Release Your glory. Release the goodness of God. Lord, there are people that need a miracle. I pray right now for miracles, signs. Lord, there are things that we can't do. They're impossible with man, but they are possible with God. And as long as this crowd, as long as we are here in Moravian Falls, that will be our testimony. That our God can do that which is impossible. And there's no other like Him. And Lord, I speak peace right now over people. In the midst of the storms that they find themselves in, I thank You, Lord, that You're the one walking on the water and You're the one walking towards them. And You're the one getting in the boat. And we give You all the glory. Now I know it's getting late, but just before we leave, maybe someone's watching online or someone's in this place and you've never been born of God. Those are the ones that overcome. Those who are born of God overcomes the world. And you would like to receive Jesus into your heart. This is the moment, the day of salvation. If you believe in your heart that God raised His Son from the dead, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is your Lord, if you come confessing your sin, with a willingness to repent, which means you're willing to turn from your own way and turn to the one who is the way, and you call upon Him. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You pray with me. If you're in this room or you're watching right now, wherever you're watching from, just pray this and mean this. I'm telling you, people are being saved right now all over the face of the earth. It's harvest time. And you just say, dear God, I need you. I believe in you. I believe in Jesus. That he is the son of God. That he lived a sinless life. And then he died on the cross. Only to rise from the dead. I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me. And cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And I choose this day to turn from my own ways to turn to you because you are the way. And you're the truth and you're the life. And so Jesus, by faith, I receive you into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. From this moment on, I will follow you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of God. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.